This is a Broad Pods production. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio. I'm Jo Stanley and my co-host today is the amazing Shelley Ware. Hi there, Shelley. Hi there, Jo. You're looking beautiful, <laughs> as gorgeous as always. Oh, you too. You made it. I know it was a tough morning. Like, so it's, there's something in the air today. There's things going on. People are having a little bit of a struggle getting their act together. It was a very tough morning. You know, two 50-year-olds trying to work out how to print black and white wasn't great. But we got there. <laughs> it's just not, it's not our natural environment using technology. It, we no, need, a, we no. need a kinder world where that's taken out of our hands. We certainly do. We certainly do. Well, we're here now and we've got a really gorgeous show ahead. So for those who are watching and capable of doing the technology, unlike Shelley and I, it's really lovely to have you joining us live on Facebook or YouTube. If you are doing that live, it would be great if you could chuck us a follow or a subscribe. But of course, you can always catch up with any previous episodes via our podcast, Broad Radio On The Go wherever you get your podcast. And we'd love it if you would go to broadradio.com.au and subscribe as well so you don't miss out on any news that we bring you about Broad Radio. So, Shell, the first thing we need to do before we get to our first guest, Debbie Lee, is to acknowledge that um, it's school holidays. So, which is great, because that's why we get to have you on the show, because normally you're working at this time. Um, how school holidays look for you and the juggle of being at home and kids who have been remote learning and now they're in school holidays? I mean, really, what's the difference for them? Yeah, well, it's a big deep breath. You know, we get to sleep in, we get to just relax and just watch movies and just take that time out. So that's been really important because it was getting really tiring towards the end of the lockdown with homeschooling. So they're exhausted and they need that. You know, mine's still snoring his head off in there as we speak. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Just, yeah. Teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Teenagers <laughs> sleep. Oh, my gosh. It's like they become champions of the world of sleeping. I'm just missing Oh, absolutely. 
got an expert in there. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, we have done what all good parents do and we've taught our daughter how to play poker. That's what we've done so far with school holidays. Wow. Does <laughs> she love it? Oh, my gosh, she's obsessed. So you know how yeah, kids are obsessed with game. YouTube, right? So she's now watching poker games on YouTube. I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure mm. if that's... <laughs> I don't know if that's Go maybe... fish. I don't know if that makes me mother of the year, but I tell you, she fleeced me, Shelley. It's a good thing we were only playing for chips because if I'd put money on the table, I'd be broke right now. Yeah, well, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of education around gambling, and I'm sure you're covering that too. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you've just assumed that I'm a responsible parent. I haven't even brought that up yet because she doesn't know really what gambling is. Time, time, time appropriate. Everything's time appropriate, age appropriate with kids. You know, we've played lots of games like that. And when Taj came of age, we had lots of conversations about that. And that's just, that's just, it's just fun. And I think that's something we forget to have too. It's fun. Yeah. I will say though, when we watch footy, there's so many gambling ads that I, I feel like it is time I had that conversation with Willow. Yeah. Well, like the very 12. first time I took. Yeah, well, the very first time I took my son to an AFL game at the MCG, he walked out and his very first words to me were, I can't wait to start gambling. That looks like fun. And that no was from the ads on the big screen. Yeah. Wow. So it is, it, it's that messaging that's always there. So it is an important conversation to have. And that comes from me because I'm sensitive to it because my father was a gambler. So I'm always quite, you know, on on with that. Mm. But um no, so that was a shock for me about the messaging that comes from advertising. Well, how effective mm. it is. That is amazing. Hey, if you are watching mm. live right now on Facebook or YouTube, we'd love you to share your comments as we go along in the show today. Um, anything, any questions that you have for our guests as well, or just share how you relate to what we're talking about. Maybe you yourself have had a conversation with your kids about gambling or, you know, those learning moments where you go, ah. Oh, it's time I actually introduced the real world to you. Don't enjoy that. You know, sometimes when you're watching a TV show and then out of nowhere there's like a sex scene and you're like, whoa, that's not, I didn't, we hadn't expected that. We thought it was just going to be a yes. fun kind of show and now all of a sudden I'm having to get my face. Well, my daughter's so gorgeous. She's 12, but she's very, very um, sort of shy and quite, quite she'll put her hand over her eyes and she'll be like is it gone is it finished have they finished sometimes they make really awkward noises and you're like oh, I, don't, I don't know what's happening there um anyway look we are getting through it's it's so great to have this uh show to get us through every tuesday morning and we welcome you if you are with us so let's get to our first guest because um i'm just absolutely thrilled to have this woman on the show it's of course afl grand final week we're both huge fans shell although neither of our teams made it to the Mm. finals this year as carlton and collingwood supporters um but of course i love this month and i love this week but i have been absolutely thrilled for the last month to be able to say first woman inducted into the afl hall of fame just rolls off the tongue first woman to be inducted into the afl hall of fame she is one of the reasons we have aflw which we're both huge fans of as well and we're thrilled to welcome you debbie lee hi Good morning, Joe and Shelley. How are you? Oh, well, we're well. And we know you've had a bit of a morning too as far as childcare and all that 
business is concerned. So we're thrilled that you made it. No, thank you, thank you. As you, parents yourself, I'm in the early stages, so I've got a three and a five-year-old, so um, we might get interrupted, but let's cross our fingers. My five-year-old is just happy watching Mario on TV at the moment. <laughs> I, do you know what? We haven't had a child interrupt the show yet, and I would be thrilled if that happened because I see it go viral around the world when people do <laughs> weather reports and things like that. So if you, if, is it Mac? Mac. There's a good yeah. chance Mac might come in, in in one of his costumes, so we'll just see how it goes. <laughs> I would love that so much. Um, so my first thing I would like to say to you, uh, Debbie, is thank you. Thank you so much because AFLW is so much a part of our lives in my house. My daughter started playing footy this year because of AFLW. She absolutely loves it. And I know that we wouldn't have AFLW without you. So I want to say thank you to you. Oh, thanks, Joe. Thanks very much. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of people who have um, made the contribution along along the way, and it's um, it's great having a daughter myself who's who's three. Um, it's just really nice to have her know that she's actually going to have some great opportunities moving forward and a very different pathway that I went through and what your daughter Jo mm-hmm. is um, going to face in footy. And, and that's the, that was the, the motivation, I guess, and the driver behind it is that fairness piece around why can't girls play footy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, that is a huge piece. We've been talking about that off air as well. But... Did the Debbie Lee that formed the St Albans Spurs in the early 90s, did you imagine there would be this huge national competition? Was that part of your dream? No, not not then. I was just a, a 19-year-old girl who wanted to play the game. I'd um, started footy at 17 and played for a team called East Brunswick and they folded after two years and I thought, I've just found a, a sport that I really love, um, didn't know existed for women, so I went off to... Um, the Spurs and started the the team in 93 Um, and then I guess it was just um, surviving, surviving in a a couple of decades but particularly early on because it wasn't the game that we see it today. Um, You weren't congratulated to play um, the game, you were more ridiculed around why are you playing a man's game. That was probably the, the way it was set up in my time growing up. So but then you know things happen for a reason don't they you know I landed at a club Melbourne Football Club who had some great people who listened um, and were able to help with the orchestrating the um, exhibition series which was the catalyst I think that turned into the AFLW competition. Yeah you talk about the ridicule and I also have read you speak about you know personally the shame and embarrassment that you had Mm. that you played footy was that what, how bad was it? What was the discrimination like? And did you experience it personally? Absolutely. Um, I'll give you an example. Our first ever game at um, uh, Sunshine YCW, um, the boys decided to come down and uh, show their support by hiring a spa and drinking copious amount of alcohol. So this is our first ever experience and you could imagine what happened after half time with the uh, derogative comments and whatnot. And I guess the shame that I felt was not myself. I, I was okay. And I've been like, fine through this whole um, journey, you know, even things that happen. People say, oh, I can't believe they said that. And I, I, it's water off a duck's back for me. But it was more around um, encouraging other women to come and play and mm-hmm. to feel, fulfill my ambition and my drive and to expose them to what I, what I did um, and what they were exposed to, I suppose, is where I sort of feel a sense of guilt. Um, 
because they just wanted to come and play footy. And, and as a result of that in the early days, um, they were made fun of and, and spoken to really um, nastily, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think a sense of guilt is something that you should carry on your shoulders and, uh, because, you know, we make choices as women and we know that we sometimes walk into these spaces of men that is quite quite difficult and that we it wouldn't be the only arena that they would have been facing that kind of ridicule. It's just a shame that that's happened um, to them, but I certainly wouldn't carry that guilt, Deb. Yeah, no, no uh, thank you, thank you. And I guess I can say that whilst there was the outside world, the inside world to our club and our community and the women that came and play, it was a wonderful experience. Um, yeah. It was a really safe community. Um, it was a welcoming and a lot of people st stayed and came because they had that sense of belonging and that authenticity. Um, and it was, you know, when we put the footy jumpers on and ran out, we knew at some times we were going to not get great um, commentary. But once we were, you know, together, um, you know, it was a great experience. And do you think that uh, kind of opposition really galvanised you as women? Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Joe. Um, we we're we're a football club within a football club, to be honest. Um, and uh, it was just great. Um, and and we learned so much. Like we had, you know, I was a nineteen year old young woman. I, I didn't know how to navigate this. I had friends that were seventeen. I had girls who were still friends of my friends now who joined at fifteen years of age um, and been on this journey for twenty odd years. So it really, really did galvanise us. And we had some beautiful friendships and still have. And I think um, that's the difference. And it's almost like that sense of belonging has sort of survived. And you can actually see that through the AFLW. I feel like there's a different tone in the AFLW competition in terms of how people interact with opposition teams, how they speak about players and how the girls are actually themselves. Yeah, there does seem to be that lack of ego. You know, even when I interview the women, it's a completely different conversation than what I have with the men. What else do you think sets the AFL apart, AFLW apart from the AFLM? Well, the first thing that I hear from new coaches that come and coach um, in the AFLW world, and particularly at the Bulldogs, is they, if they've come from a um, male um, football club or coach um, male footballers is around, um, geez, the girls have an appetite to learn. They have a willingness to get better. They have a willingness to listen and there are no egos. So there's that there's that perspective from a coaches. Um, but there's also that um, responsibility and I don't think they, they take it on as responsibility but they do want change. So the AFLW also provides them a platform of voice um, and, and part of that is around, you know, issues outside um, the sporting world, but there are issues within AFLW, pay parity, um, equality, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, issues, issues such as that. So, um, yeah, it's great. Uh, I Already we're getting comments on our Facebook and Donna is saying, Deb, you are a champion. My girls have been playing footy since they were 12 years old in 2005 against your Spurs and well before girls footy was respected. We personally thank you for your inc incredible work in female footy. Do you, get, do you get stopped often with gratitude and thanks and people quite emotional? Uh, certainly um, in the early days, in the older generation, a lot of women would come up to me and, and particularly after the Hall of Fame, I got so many beautiful messages around I couldn't play football, but also um, how they felt about 
the award. So whilst the award is acknowledging myself, which is great, it actually, for me, was also acknowledgement of women's football in the Hall of Fame. So that an, another step of acknowledgement. And um, yeah, I guess I guess some of the people didn't know the story as well. And my, there's many. It's not just my story. There's many stories out there. Many women who have paved the way for this competition. But I guess the nice thing is, is people um, are grateful and, you know, they tell me their story about, you know, they used to play under 12s or they used to play, you know, country footy in the paddocks with their brothers but never have an opportunity and they're so pleased that um, women now have an opportunity to play. So it's amazing and wonderful and delayed, complete delayed response by the AFL that you are in the Hall of Fame. Who are some other trailblazers that you would like to see nominated next and actually awarded a place? Oh, there's just so many. Um, you know, Sam Mostyn was a, a, who was on the AFL commission, um, she was really the first person in the AFL that actually listened. You know, I can remember back in 2000, her coming to a national um, carnival um, to see women play football and it was unheard of. So, and she's done so much great work behind the scenes and there's so many other people that have done some great work. Uh, Lisa Caddo is another woman who's done a lot of work in Victoria. Um, Jan Cooper over in over in the West, She was a, she's a real driver in the West around women's football. She worked in the AFL and Nicole's position very early on. Um, and is still working in the, in the industry. Um, there's Shiloh Curtis who was involved in the AFL Victoria and creating the youth girl competition in Victoria, Nikki Graves, um, Lisa Hardiman. There's just so many women that there's probably names people haven't heard of and that's probably something that we need to get better at. Um, we've really got a and, – and we can all play a role in this, you, you guys included – around how do we actually acknowledge the, the great work um, that women have done all around the country, all around the country. And uh, I can't wait to see more women stand beside me in the Hall of Fame. Oh, we can't wait either. <laughs> we were lucky enough to interview Susan Alberti earlier in the year, Shelley and I, and uh, she talked about how, you know, there were just constantly doors closing whenever she brought it up and she didn't care because Susan Alberti doesn't care about yes. a closed door. She yeah. just keeps going. What was it like for you when you first started having that conversation with the AFL about a potential AFLW league? Well, I guess people say, geez, it come around quick. And I, I probably through my journey would say, oh, it's been quite a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I recall back in 2000, must have been 2008 or seven, where we went to the AFL and um, their mindset just wasn't, on women, it was growing the men's game and how do they grow more membership and, um, yeah, it just wasn't, you know, I guess the first um, conversation I have with them wasn't great, to be honest. Um, I, I went in and presented about let's have a uh, AFL game between two clubs and it would be great to have women playing in AFL colours on the MCG and, um, yeah, to be honest with you, it wasn't, wasn't received favourable. And then I guess um, the really... True conversations came in um, when I landed at Melbourne. Um, obviously, I worked with, at Bulldogs prior to Melbourne and we started to work with the Bulldogs there and they, their true support started there with supporting the Victorian Women's Football League. But it wasn't until Cam Swab, who was the CEO at the time, and Jem Watt, who was my direct report, um, she actually was able to, um, and Karen Hayes was on the board, who actually started to have um, serious conversations with the decision makers. Um, and what we had to do really is we had to bring the game to them. It was, I wasn't getting any traction with me um, advocating and verbalising, you know, what women can do in the great game and, you know, that was getting no traction at all. So we went down another strategy where we invited 
um, the decision makers to the exhibition series and Jack Fitzpatrick um, at the time who was um, the um, uh, he was the chairman of the AFL came down to the exhibition series and when he saw the game and talked to the athletes he, he really understood what we were trying to do. There's so much that has been done and congratulations for that. It's just, it's been an absolute pleasure and a delight to watch these women succeeding and having such success in this space. What else needs to be done? What positions would you like to see women fill so that we can develop this more? Yeah, a um, couple of positions. First and foremost, coaching. We've got to, mm. we've got to get some more women in coaches and um, I can I can be part of that, and people might ask me, and I have a very fair question, Debbie. You know, you're an AFL club, you're at the Bulldogs. Why haven't you got a um, a female senior coach? Um, and I guess my answer to that is, I, I, no matter what gender, I want to make sure that everyone has a sustainable and a, and the right opportunity. So at the moment, we've just um, appointed Mel Hickey, who um, has played at Geelong as an AFLW player, and also at Melbourne. Terrific woman. She's an assistant coach. We've also got Natalie Wood as assistant coach, and Kirby Bentley, who Shelley, you will know, um, will be announcing her appointment in this uh, probably after the AFL Grand Final around um, her involvement in coaching at the Bulldogs. So definitely coaching. And I think there's another thing for me, and it's just recently popped up around. Um, how we talk about AFLW and how we talk about people that work in the AFLW program. So there's still this um, underlining conversation around, um, well, yet, you know, you haven't made it. You know, when are you going to cross to the men's competition? When are you going to, um, have you got aspirations to be the GM of um, AFL men's? Have you got aspirations to coach an AFL team? And I think what I'd like to see is that conversation um, flipped because some people in these roles are really comfortable and that's all they want to do is be the best they can in AFLW roles. And I think what I'd like to see is that conversation change around, um, you know, you don't have to, you haven't made it if you haven't gone to AFLWM. So that's a conversation that needs to change. And the other conversation that needs to change, Joe and Shelley, is around the investment in AFLW. Um, we're limited by a, by a spend, and I won't get too technical, but we're limited by what they call a soft cap, where we can only spend X amount. And my argument is um, a doctor is a doctor, no matter who, which program they, they facilitate in, they service in. Yes, we're a part-time program, but we need pro rata um, REM to support that, and that's where we haven't got it right. Um, and that's where we've got to have the elevation of positions, but also women and men, and also how do we look after them from a pay parity so it can be sustainable and grow the base. So there, there are a couple of, um, you know, challenges where I'm really, you know, need your advocation and everyone's mm. advocation to actually make change. Um, and, yeah. we, and then we'll turn athletes into full-time athletes mm. and, and work through that pathway as well. I mean, the fact is nothing grows without money. It's, it's just yeah. life, right? It's just business. And if you want something to thrive, you've got to invest in it. It's the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely, so absolutely. And I think it's just that change in language too. We're still sitting at that language that we're, um, we're not considered equally as yet and that's that's by by uh, the way the program structured the investment that it's structured so that's not just me making a sweeping statement it's actually the behaviors that sit behind it mm. you speak about um the lessons that you learned about how you had to take uh the power players 
to you, you had to explain, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be learned around how we can work towards gender equality in many different industries. By the way, the AFLW has been established and all of you trailblazers mm. have worked really hard to make that happen. Also, there's so much to learn around, um, I think, women who are willing to take risks and, and um, you know, because it's not an easy path to go down mm. as far as sports people is concerned. So what kinds of lessons, and I'm, this is one of the things I love about the AFLW from my daughter, um, because you learn so much from the role models within the sport, what kinds of lessons or what's the key lesson do you reckon a young woman can take from AFLW and the incredible women involved in the sport? Yeah, so I guess personally for me, I started off um, navigating through, you know, really um, challenging times and I didn't have a toolkit. I didn't have a toolkit. I, I wasn't sure how to navigate. Um, and I think the biggest personal learning for me was to be yourself. So I was a woman, um, I'm a gay woman, so I wasn't probably, you know, I didn't disclose that to the industry or to my workplace probably until eight years ago um, because what I didn't want to happen was uh, um, that messaging or my choices to be mixed up in what I was trying to do. Um, so that's first and foremost for me and that's the biggest message I um, share with my group at the Bulldogs and the women at the Bulldogs and the men, be yourself. The second part would be... Um, pick your battles. Um, there's a lot of egos out there and where, where I sort of made the decision was it doesn't matter um, who gets the gratitude at the end of the day as long as you get your outcome. So if you get caught up in, oh, that person's going to get the kudos, that person's going to get the, um, and that's not right, and why are they saying, you know, that they've started AFLW? Because at the start of AFLW, I'll be honest, I was pretty bitter. I was bitter when it started because I saw people in roles publicly advocating who did not support women's football when we were struggling. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to let that go. Mm -hmm. I had to let it go. Um, and it took probably a year and a half um, for, for me to work through that. Now I'm completely comfortable. But I guess the, the learning for me is um, you be respectful but don't get caught up on who's getting the accolades and who's getting the gratitude and who's getting the, the attention if your outcome is being achieved. And if that's what it takes for that individual and that's what drives them, that's okay if you're getting your outcome. Wow. I like that. I think yeah, that comes great. with age too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call, All the best you're things too. You're calling me old, Shelley? <laughs> no. All oh, the no, best things. <laughs> I feel like I'm on that journey too. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's look, you know, um, let's be honest. There's a lot of egos in the AFL. That's not a criticism. That's just a reality. So you either put your armor on and try to fight them, or or navigate around um, how do you get your outcome. Um, and if you can do that, you probably will find that um, you'll get the outcome maybe quicker. But keeping in instead that you're still yourself. Don't don't. Don't waver from your values. Yes. Well, we've got lots of people making comments. Katrina is saying, thank you for being a trailblazer, Debbie. And it is disappointing to see so many former AFL male players being given coaching roles over women. Mm. And, you know, we were speaking actually before you joined us, uh, off air, Shelley and I, that women seem not to be given the jobs as much as or as often as men do, which is a frustrating thing that needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what is really ironic, I find, um, women and men, we're different, aren't we? 
So if you haven't got a female in your program or your coaching, you're actually at a disadvantage mm. from a competitive point of view, in yeah. my view. Well, in general, in, in, not just in yeah, sport. absolutely. <laughs> diversity mm-hmm. makes you You're stronger. Right. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Looking through those different lenses of, of experience, of life experience is so important and not having a woman present and, and many different people of many different cultures is just... It's, it's um, yeah, you're letting yourself down. But one of the things we were also talking about was the fact that there are men, like we look at David Teague, he went from Carlton, he's already in another club, he's already signed up, he's at Richmond. You know, we've got Peter Sell who's left St Kilda and isn't in a club, but there isn't a man that I can think of that hasn't walked straight into a, another role. You know, we've, we, I know, and it kills me every time I have to say this, there's so far to go with women in this space. Mm. Yeah, no, Shell, I agree. Um, don't know the answer to it. Um, I don't know the answer to it yet, um, but you are right in terms of um, how they can just, you know, David Teague's a great example uh, at a club and there's been many, many more. I'm not sure um, how we work through that and I'm not sure who's making those decisions um, and, and whether they're males or females, but I think there's this undertoning of... Um, you know, we always talk about, oh, we've got to give women the opportunity. Um, I guarantee there have been men in roles who um, weren't as qualified as required, but they were given the opportunity. And it's not just in footy, it's it's society. So I don't know what the answer is. All I can say is um, people that are in positions like myself and others and, and this team um, broadcasting such a great program is how we can continue to grow, mm. grow the pool and Absolutely. call it out. Yeah, yeah, like you just did, Shelley, because I think often you feel like, oh, you know, are we going to make ourselves unpopular if we call this out? Sometimes mm. it's so obvious you just have to say it. You can't not call it mm. out, right? Um, we do have to move on because we've got two other amazing guests joining us. But, Debbie, we can't let you go without talking about the fact that this Saturday Western Bulldogs are playing in the grand final against Melbourne, and a historic matchup, obviously, for Melbourne. It's been 57 years and, uh, you know, the whole of Melbourne, I think, have summed their heart with either Western Bulldogs or Melbourne. And you've play- you've worked for both teams. How are you yes. going, going into this grand final? Oh, look, it's great. I think it's wonderful and I'll put my women's hat on because these two teams took a risk um, when women's football wasn't popular and... Um, and when their, you know, when their financial position and their performance on, on field from an AFL men's wasn't great and they took a risk on uh, women's footy and look what's happened. So I'm really proud that both teams are in the grand final and they deserve it. It's funny how things work out. Um, but certainly going for the Bulldogs. Um, uh, I'm employed by them, so I probably sacked if I do <laughs> But... Uh, uh, no, look, the Bulldogs are great. And look, I love Melbourne too. Don't get me wrong. Melbourne are a great club. Fantastic with Kate Roffey mm. at the head. And how's yes. that? We've got Kate Roffey and Kylie um, as presidents. And mm. uh, who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought? So that's just, that's great in itself. Um, so we are moving forward, but go doggies. Yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah. It's one of my favourite weeks of the year. And uh, my heart's with Melbourne this weekend, I think, just because they're, you know, it's been so long for them. But hopefully it's a really fantastic matchup. Thank you so much, Debbie Lee. I have to tell you, already, still people are saying, Michelle is telling us, terrific to see Debbie Lee. And Shelley Ware on my screen today, two of my heroes. Yay. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> it is lovely. Debbie, thank you so much and all the best with the grand final this Saturday. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, thanks very much, Joe and Shelley, for having me on. It's been great. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis? We've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. Well, let's let's have a bit of a laugh and here's two things that I really love, laughing and libraries. And in lockdown, what would we have been without either of those things? So we're really thrilled to welcome comedian and librarian here to Broad Radio. I don't know if she's going to make us laugh or smarter. I don't know. Monica Dullard, (laughs) good morning. Hello, Joe. Hello, Shelley. Really pleased to be here. Thank you. Do you know, I really love libraries and I feel like they're much cooler now, but is that because I've just got older? Look, they are cooler. They are doing like, um, I mean, they were traditional, but they've always been a place where anyone is welcome. It's free and it's an enclosed public space and some outdoor spaces now and groovy bits that where you can just absolutely stay there all day and not put your hand in your pocket. It's that for start is amazing and then you can um you can take out as many books as you want to so you can back your car up to the back of the library fill up the boot and drive <laughs> off and <laughs> as long as as long as you with them or bring them back in a month you know like it's it's a great service and people can't afford to uh you know that early literacy for children is so important that they can't afford to um to buy the books that a kid will read once and then throw it on the floor and where's the next one so it is good i must while i'm here joe look at your book is in our local oh, library the four in the series yeah so i've just borrowed that oh yeah <laughs> that's so maybe that's maybe the the third person who's borrowed it in the last 12 months i'm really grateful <laughs> no actually i had a look you're getting good good results and we've got the four at our library oh, um and nice. it's a wonderful read and it that thing about you know um, wanting to belong and friendship, you know, and and through sport you gain friendship and connections. You, you just nailed it. So, oh, um, yeah, we always oh. recommend it. Oh, it's, a, nice. it's a next step book. So it's for little kids that are about grade one um, who have, you know, got through the reading stage and then wanting some, really what they want is a page turner and that's mm. what I 
describe your Oh, that's nice. My, when my daughter read them, she was like, oh, geez, mum, they're a bit basic. <laughs> I'm like, well, they're not aimed for you, darling, you know, <laughs> for like eight to ten-year-old readers. So settle down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and with reading, you've got to keep them, you know, if they don't like it, they'll put it down. If so, it is a page turner. Yes. Oh, so, hey, mate. That's wonderful. How are you connecting with community and lockdown in your library? Well, um, libraries in, in general, the Victorian libraries I'll talk about, have been amazing. Like at first, you know, when the first lockdowns came, we got locked down, we were closed, and that was like like unbelievable for us. We couldn't believe it. It was a very difficult time. And But with, you know, very savvy people within the library all just said, well, we can't. This can't happen. So, um, people, we've we've went straight to click and collect. Um, we continued our home library service to people who can't get out of their homes because the connection was really, you know, like was really would have been terrible for them not to have that connection. And uh, and some libraries did some amazing things, like uh, Yarra Plenty Library Service. They um, decided that their seniors couldn't, you know, didn't have the digital digital literacy to be able to work the iPad to get the e-books and the e-readers and the audio books. So they, uh, last year, the start of lockdown, they rang 7,000 seniors over the age of 69 and spent, that was the first call, but then they recalled them and they connected them in with um, uh, literacy and uh, books and e-books and taught them how to use their iPad and uh, it was an incredible phenomenon and, and other libraries have helped, you know, have gone in the same direction. But, you know, like your kids give you an iPad for Christmas, mum, and then they drive off again back to wherever and then they're sitting staring at this thing and then the kids bring them up and say, mum, how's the iPad going? They have to lie. So before <laughs> lockdown they'd come into the library and say, help me, please, my son's coming for Easter and I haven't, you know, don't know how to use this thing. Oh, so, no. we, you know, libraries have one-on-one -on -one digital coaching in libraries uh, for anyone, but the seniors are really making um, uh, use of that. And so this ringing them when they couldn't come to us was, I thought, was a brilliant and phenomenal thing to do. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I often find, though, in libraries, so I, I wrote those books at the South Yarra yes. Library. I loved the fact that you can go and just shut out the world and it was during swap yep. fact too so there were lots of students around studying and i loved that really vibrant energy um but one mm. of the things about libraries is i can't stand how well behaved you have to be like it always makes me want to just like and toss glasses water <laughs> around and just i don't know there's something in me that makes me want to just up in the table because it's so quiet um do people yeah. actually behave badly in libraries have you ever caught anybody doing something really naughty oh gosh yeah look I mean, you, t Joe. To be fair, you're in a posh, you know, South Yarra library, so <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, they only want books on wine. And, <laughs> <laughs> but no, actually, like we we have um, uh, like Deliveroo coming in, or people, you know, on the bikes come in, and you know, they've got a pizza. Like people order pizza in the libraries, and then uh, we yell out and walk around, "Who, who ordered a pizza?" <laughs> yeah, that's mine, and you can in the library you can sleep in the library uh you know like no libraries are rollicking fun you can um wash your underpants in the toilet um <laughs> hang them up on the floor you know like yes libraries are um they've 
the the modern library is uh it's like the, what we call you know it's your living room people come in there for all sorts of reasons and mm. um the difficulty now with libraries is we've got some older buildings that are trying to convert to new spaces so um you know you want places where like joe can write a novel and some and the children's story time can be on and uh some teens can get together and you know muck about with a green screen and make it and have a make a music video um, so you've got lots of things happening and so we use those spaces really well now and some and the way we're building libraries is to be a community hub now so if you build a building and you've got quiet spaces happy spaces you know there's spaces now in libraries where you can cook uh, a lunch and bring you invite your friends over and all sit up and have lunch in the library so, is that a library um, or is that just someone's share house that's bizarre <laughs> 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 that's the truth. Uh, a bit of both. Like, it really is your, your living room. You go, you can go to a library for all sorts of reasons, and um, it's it's a community asset. Like uh, public libraries, are, like I, I mean, there's university libraries, there's school libraries, and they're all fantastic. But a public library is welcomes everyone. So uh, yeah, you can do anything in library. Yeah, they're, they're great spaces, what? and you can. And the staff are really friendly and supportive, and you know, really switched on and can help you with anything um like a guy came into the library yesterday with me and wanted to know how to um what was his apple id um passwords <laughs> so anyway we got him on <laughs> we didn't we go oh, get out you know how would i know get out um we um we you know got him on to a um uh an online calling center where they could you know sort him out and so we would do that, and if you need to use our phone, we could do that too. But oh my um, gosh, I would yeah, not and have the patience for that. Like that. I wouldn't have the yeah, patience so. for that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like the right. Right. <laughs> so what is your service? That's the number your... one thing. You go, absolutely, shall? customer service. Absolutely. What's on your to be read pile, Monica? Right. So um, the D Dictionary of Lost Words is oh is a big one at the moment, um, and I have it. And just want you to know out there in um, the community that we librarians, library staff, we can't put ourselves at the top of the list of reservation. We have to wait, wait our turn. So that's my next one. I'm hoping will be coming in the next week or two. Um, so yeah, get that's. That's the thing everyone's talking about at the moment. That's the book, I think, that's a bit of a on people's lips at the moment. Yeah, we were so, lucky enough to um, interview uh, the author of the Dictionary of Lost Words, Pip uh, Williams, oh, just recently right. on Broad Radio. Yeah. Yes, and there was there was oh, a lot. Of, we, we we got to say the word cunt a lot because it's in the book. So. <laughs> yes. It's in the book. In a library as well, you know. I'm sure the oldies love that. Don't worry. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so that's that's a good point. Where do we go from there, Joe? Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've shut it down with the C word. I apologise. <laughs> I want to ask, actually, because you know how we all have the to-be-read pile by our bed and some of it's like, you know, I've got like 12 there that I haven't read. Is that, do you reckon, because everyone does it, okay, do you think that's because we're indecisive people, we're greedy, or we just fantasise about a time in which we would have enough time? To read these books what does it mean for us as people that we have these never-ending piles? well I think it's always been happening you know in libraries like technically um, you know people still getting the newspapers on the weekend I think a lot either digitally or or in the hand and they look up you know the the 
the all the uh, books that are coming up and the new books and everything, and then they come into the library with a handwritten note um, saying they want all these books reserved, um, or they can do it themselves online. But some a lot of them do come in, and we can hardly read it. But anyway, um, I think that thing of you've, people love to keep up and. People have got, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 reservations on the go and they've got some that are waiting, they're 150 on the list and some they're 70 and some they're third and, you know, so that it, and it's it's exciting. It's like winning tats every time your, your res, reservation comes through, um, you know, you've got seven days to pick it up. So I think it's been always happening and people still love doing it and a pile on your bed, it can be, you know, you think oh, I'm not good enough sometimes. Um, <laughs> But it's reassuring, I think, to have the books on the bed and just say, well, you know, I'm an interesting person. I just haven't read anything for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but I have got them here. And, you know, and some things you have to re read really quickly because if it is on, uh, has big reservations, you've only got two weeks to read it. So that spurs you on somewhat. Mm. Mm. I love it. Send it back. I'm an interesting person. That's what the books tell us. Our books tell us we're interesting people, Shelley, in case we don't feel like we are. <laughs> um, oh, well, it's been a lovely, lovely chat and great to have you on Broad Radio there, Monica, and thank you so much to the libraries and all that you do for us. Well, it's been an awesome show and I want to thank everybody who joined us and who have been making the comments online as well along the way. It's been really great. Um, and a lot of people here are saying thank you to the libraries as well. Would be would be lost without them. And uh, well, Melissa is saying lockdown has been great for reducing her my, her read pile. I alternate a fun book and a more serious one for a bit of difference. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm happy if I get to the end of a book without forgetting what happened at the start of the book because it's been sitting next to my bed for so long. <laughs> that's, that's common. Is it? Oh, I'm glad it's not just yeah. me. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>